I swear. Wrestling podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Um, Andy Quilden here, joined as always by Andy Boy Simmons. Hi, Andy. How are you? I'm very good, thanks, Andy. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm raring to go, and I can't wait to have something else. I say taken out of context this week. Right. Okay. And what? Um, well, all right. Let's get to that. We all right. We, we, get... that. we don't need to. We don't need to go straight into the. No. Let's talk about some positive stuff. Let's talk about first. what we've been up to this week. Yeah. So, what what did you do at the weekend? Um, I I had I was a family man this weekend. Mm. Um, without your wife and child. Well, two days. So like. Um, on on Saturday, unfortunately, it meant missing our contenders show, which I was devastated to hear. But we had some road agents. Um, who I think there was about twelve of them in the end, all who who took chiming notes, in. And I'm waiting. Yeah. I can't wait to hear their feedback. Yep. Um, but um, on on um, on Saturday, I went to Essex for my nephew's birthday. Um, which yes, we were supposed to be taking the young baby Calvin, Master Calvin. As the letters say, yeah, to the throne, to, to the to the um, fortune, to um, we're supposed to be taking him to 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 this birthday party so we can meet his cousin Brandon, whose fourth birthday it was, um, which is crazy, and no one knows who Brandon is, but he's, <laughs> he's my nephew. So uh, anyone that's at my wedding knows who Brandon is. He's quite the character, isn't he? He was, so, yeah. Everyone um, knew him. He's a lovely kid, um, and uh, yeah, it was his birthday. And I'm determined to be his favourite person in the entire world, so I bought him a bike. Did you really? <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good little gift. Yeah, yeah. Batman bike. He likes Batman a okay. lot. Okay. So, um, and he, if I want to say, he was quite underwhelmed. I'd say. Yeah, but bikes are almost—they're not really toys. But it, I think, like, the, I think the initial excitement was there when he got the bike, but then when he got on it and realised you had to learn how to ride. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um. And do you know what he said to me as well? What's that? He said, but Batman doesn't ride a bike. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. All right, then I'll get you a car, you spoiled little. <laughs> I'll take it back, shall I? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was, uh, that was my Saturday. Um, and I was quite scared as well because, as we've discussed, I'm a new driver. And um, I had to drive there all on my own. because my wife M25 had, as well. My wife, yeah. Mm. My wife abandoned me. Oh, dear. So she was like, oh, I think that car rides a bit too much for, for Calvin. So I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> go on my own, then. I go on my own. And uh, so off I went on my own. And you didn't miss it. Good uncle. I didn't miss it. Um, And then on Sunday, we had our NCT reunions. Anyone who's got kids (laughs) who's been to NCT classes will know know what I'm talking about. But like um, a group of people forged together by the only common bond that... You both had sex on the same night. Well, around the same, yeah, Yeah. around the same time, yeah. Um, And uh, had lots of awkward dad conversation with lots of other awkward dads. And I'm not really sure what my my role is in that group. I haven't made any new friends. Like, so... Again, we don't, you know, we're three minutes in. We just do so that this is like a life podcast at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a, well, it's like an episode of This Morning or Good Morning Britain, isn't it? Um, <laughs> Loose women, we're, just, uh, we're making topical chat before we get to a big sales pitch at the end. You can see my new film on, um, but it's. Uh, I'm not really sure my role in the group yet because, uh, well, I, 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 we kind of went to make kind of friends, I guess. Haley's got loads of friends. I don't have that many. Like I could count on um, one hand. The friends I have in Portsmouth, which would probably be yourself, 
Marty who's and I don't leaving even, us. Well, I don't even live here anymore. And you so. don't you don't live here anymore. No. Marty who's leaving us and Luke who I see once in a blue moon in Portsmouth. <laughs> so like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So like, um, so you know, there's not really uh, not really that many friends for me. Of course, I've got my dog Simba. He's probably my number one. Um, but you were hoping this was going <laughs> to open some avenues and yeah, swap numbers and you know, uh, be mates. And all yeah. the mums, of course, became mates and. Uh, there, um, there's some of the lads at the school I'd quite like to be, I think, real life mates with. But you're too too scared to but, ask. <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think. So you're putting I, it out there now. But I if would. You're listening, <laughs> you, can, yeah. you can approach him. But I would never have wanted to be mates with Mark Sloan, despite the fact I oh, I so was to a degree. But so do you now think that you're too scared to, you know, move your relationship on because you think they look at you like you looked at yeah, your so trainer? Like, so there's a few of the lads who I could say, oh, should we all go to the cinema or should we all go get a Nando's or whatever? But in terms of me going to one particular, <laughs> whoever it is, <laughs> and say, to like text them, going, oh, do you fancy going to see Jurassic Park or Star Wars tonight? I don't have anyone like that at all. Yeah. Sad, isn't it? Yeah. 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 But I, th- I wonder whether that's that kind of, despite that, I think that, and I think Mark would probably even agree with me that, he was quite top on us, tough on us, so none of us probably really wanted to be actually mates with him. Despite we all respected him, none of us wanted to be mates with him. I think I'm I'm far more matey, in my opinion, in my take on it, but they might say the opposite. He's a right ball buster, that Simmons. Well, maybe. I don't know. I don't, I don't see how they could, but then Mark might think the same. Like, I was good to everyone. and mm. So, anyone wants to be mates with me, same. tweet at me. Same. <laughs> yeah. Um... So yeah, so, I, like, so yeah, we kind of went to make friends, and and Haley managed to make loads of friends, and she made friends in a Pilates group as well. Okay, and like we're just poor husbands who've just been dragged along to this thing, and we're just like, I don't know, none of us are really mates. Do you know what I mean? But it's kind of an awkward territory. But there's some of them who I think I could become friends with, um, and but I'm like I said, I'm not really sure of my role in the in the group in terms of like there's a WhatsApp group of new dads, and like. But that that was kind of a forced act upon us. The, the the mums were all friends on WhatsApp for, I'd say, a good month and a half before the, the dad's group got made. Okay. Um, and, like, I tried to crack for your joke, but I'm really not sure if I'm in the position to be cracking jokes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how they take it. So, for example, there's a couple of the dads are bald, and we had a uh, we had a group picture with all the um, with all the babies together on the stairs and the two bald lads were stood next to each other so were you one of the bald lads no I wasn't I've only just had my hair cut today actually my hair was a bit wild and out of control I had it cut yesterday okay so um, but there's two men with hard man haircuts uh, yeah and uh, so I took a capture of the two men with hard man haircuts and took a picture of Grant and Phil Mitchell and I just kind of oh you didn't Sent that to the group. Any response? <laughs> I got a few ha-has. Okay. Um, but yeah, I t- you know, I don't really know how they took it. I'll show you the picture now and I'll see, wh- see, if you- see how you feel about this. Okay. Um, you do you so think you might have been creeping into I think it might have been too familiar. familiar. I think yeah. so, yeah. Yeah, and there's a few times I've made a couple of jokes which hasn't really got any, uh, any comeback. But then one of them did message me um, individually as if to kind of almost initiate that friendship okay but after a couple of texts back and forth it just stopped all right so I don't want to and there has been boring. a message there has been a message this week about um should we go for a beer like during the the world cup or whatever mm. one person initiated that to the whole group i replied and said 
yeah, okay, <laughs> we could do that. When are you thinking? As long as someone else organizes because I'm too scared that if I organize it, no one turns up. <laughs> so as long as someone else organizes it, let's let's go for it. Um, and someone's like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do that. And then one other person said, oh, I'll be up for that. And everyone else just kayfabe the, the question, just pretends it didn't exist. Anyway, there's a, <laughs> there's a picture. Oh, okay. Yeah, all right. I, well, can I can see, see that? It, that everyone's bald, I guess. So, yeah. Well, you can't look at yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know if I'd have sent yeah. it to a couple of lads yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, we spent, uh, you know, some time together. Mm-hmm. We've spoken about our biggest insecurities, our biggest joys, uh, you know, as yeah. you do in these classes. Um, have you ever seen people just do nothing? No, okay. no. But I can liken it, so when I was 14, uh, I changed schools, right? So my mum, uh, sorry, I've got two older brothers, and my mum had a friend, uh, because my two older brothers were friends with her three sons am I saying this right so my mum had a friend she had three sons my mum has obviously got three sons and the two older brothers on each side were friends with each other so you were kind of almost forced so so the the, so I was the same age as so I'm obviously Andrew and he was Martin okay and we were the same age but we were never really that friendly like whenever we whenever the parents would get together we'd be like mates so anyway I moved schools to Martin's school so you expected two mates with him well my mum and his mum came up with a bright idea that they sent us off in a tr- on a train to Guildford um, to become friends. Like, I remember <laughs> he- hearing this terminology, I think it's American terminology, like a play date. Yeah. Okay. So they pack us off on the train. We go bowling together and um, we go, uh, we walk around Guildford shopping for a bit. And it was just like one of the longest, worst days of my life <laughs> because me and Martin just weren't friends. Do you know what I mean? We weren't compatible. And it sounds a bit like that, the fact that we've just been forced together and but yours might be a little bit more long term. Like, uh, if I see Martin, I can say hello. But that is literally it. I, I hope we can become friends. But who knows? I'll keep you all updated. In, it doesn't sound my, good uh, to me, mate. If I'm what? honest, like it doesn't really sound too promising. You just you just don't want to. <laughs> I don't sh- lose you. Don't, you don't want to share me. <laughs> yeah. That's the problem. Yeah. Because um, I'll be going out with my dad mates. Mm. So you could come. You could come. You could talk about your parenting experiences. Yeah. So yeah. All right. If I'm invited, I'm, I'm part okay. Of, part of a club now. So, yeah. But anyway, um, and what was weird as well was because I had that experience with the NCT class, but also at my sister's party, I just had to talk to lots of mums because obviously that's what's there at the parties. But like, I felt like I had a little bit more I could. You could join in a join bit in. more. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so uh, how's he sleeping? And <laughs> and also, when your family uh, to the party, uh, you know, whoever's party is, you can kind of you've got free reign. To, you don't have to sit. You can go play with the kids because then you're nephews, nieces, so you don't have to kind of awkwardly... Yeah, but I don't really like... So, I don't really like the part... Like, so, I love spending time with Brandon, but I don't really like the parties per se. I think the best thing that happened to me... So, two years ago, almost to the day, um, we ran uh, York Hall with Kurt Angle, right? The day before was Brandon's birthday party. And I was obviously tied... I'd like to pull it back into wrestling a little bit. So, I was obviously tied down to being at York Hall. um, And... um, and it was the first time we were using our 18-foot ring. So I don't know if you remember the 18-foot ring. When I first got it, I set it up in our training school to make sure it was all there and worked and whatever have you. And then on the morning of that Saturday, we had to take it down, load it into a van, um, because obviously I was planning on going to Brandon's birthday party and then heading up from Essex to London that night. So I was there for the next morning. Um but the process of we had to hire a van, and the process of going to hire the van, taking that ring down, loading it into the van, 
it just took a lot longer. And then we had to go to my garage. It was when I was everything stored in my garage. So we had to go to my garage, get the merchandise out. The process of doing that took a lot longer than I envisaged it would take. And as a result, I was late for Brandon's birthday party. In fact, his birthday party was pretty much finishing as I arrived because it wasn't just getting into London. I then had to get back, back out. out. Yeah. Um, so the party was finishing and my sister was fuming at me for being late for his party. But it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened because it meant that Brandon got to hang out with me because like... I was like the last one left, so he was like, oh, he was pleased someone knew it turned up. Someone new's turned up to play with. Okay. And I think that's where we really bonded properly for the first, like, we was, like, he always liked me, but, like, he really loved me after, okay. after that day, and he's been excited to see me ever since. Um, and then last year we went to his party. I was just sat there just while he was playing with his mates. I was jealous, if anything. <laughs> yeah, I was like, jealous. Saying? I sat there. And, uh, yeah, so this year, like, obviously, yeah, I didn't really play. I played with, I got there early this year, so I played with him before. And then when his friends was gone and there was no one left to hang out with, he wanted to hang out with me again, which meant I had to stay there real late. And then yeah, because <laughs> you probably could have made the show if you'd have um, left early afternoon. Yeah, but I only yeah. got there, like, I think the party side at two. So, yeah. Okay. Have, uh, well, we had Dirty Dave Dennis there anyway to take your place, your easy replaceable pal. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to phase myself out anyway from a, you know. Yeah. I'm a dad now. Yeah. <laughs> a stay-at-home dad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so we did that Saturday. We had a, it was a good show actually. Um, overall, we uh, we had seven matches instead of six, and uh, which was a little bit unnormal, abnormal for our cards three and three. But no, it was a good night. And thanks to everyone that came, whoever came, we might listen to this podcast. Kieran did fantastic against the Prince of Mumbai. Couldn't quite pick up the victory, but we'll put that down oh. to inexperience. Devoed. Yeah, totally. Yeah, but do you know what I did Friday? Um. I do, but tell our readers. I <laughs> tell our readers. <laughs> I went to go meet uh, a meet and greet Brett the Hitman Hart. Okay, so I don't know if you remember or any of you even care, but I had said a few weeks ago that I still hadn't had my nice photo with Brett yeah, the Hitman that, Hart. I think wasn't that like even last? Was it last week or was it the week before? Maybe it was. It was very, recently, it was yeah. very recent, wasn't it? I just yeah. you know we went for that Chinese and we had the picture taken. Everything's all glary and James Musselwhite, bless him, tried to. Yeah, you know, did a fine job of doing it up. I'm not knocking his attempts, but it just it just it wasn't what it should have been. So anyway, my friend Ian, through um, him doing some driving, he became friends with Brett the Hitman Hart. Brett Hart was coming over to do four days worth. You're welcome, of, Ian. <laughs> he was doing four days worth of uh, meet and greets and Q and As and evenings with, I guess you'd call them. So uh, I text Ian and I said, "Should we go to the one in Brighton?" Um, text Brett and see if you can get us some complimentary seats. So Ian said, well, I can't do Brighton because Brighton's on the Tuesday and his wife Pam was giving birth to their daughter on the Monday. So she'd been booked in uh, to go in on the Monday. So she was booked in on the Monday. We couldn't do Tuesday. I was just like, oh, never mind. Like, no big deal. It won't happen this time. You know, it's not like I'm trying to chase the Holy Grail. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. No big deal. So anyway, he then texted me about two or three days later saying... But should we go on the Friday? And I said, well, where's Friday? Because I didn't really fancy driving to Manchester. And he said, oh, that's in London. So I was like, oh, okay. So he said, so I said, have you texted Brett about it? Because they've sort of stayed in contact to a degree. Um, and Ian's like, nah, I don't really want to do that. Um, and I said, well, I'll, I'll ask Dean Ayers, who I'm pally with. So, uh, and in the end, I just didn't end up texting Dean because I didn't really feel like it was my place to ask for tickets. So I didn't know if Dean would be in a position to get complimentary tickets. So, um, so anyway, Ian calls me up Friday afternoon, about two o'clock in the afternoon. So we're we going to this thing with Bret Hart tonight, and I'm like, 
not really, no. I'm at, I've just turned up at the gym and because I'd taken Finley um, to see Jurassic World the night before, I didn't think I'd be allowed two excursions in a week. <laughs> so uh, so I said, he said, well, I've just spoke to Brett, as in Brett Hart, and he said he'll put tickets on the door for us, so you're more than welcome to come with me. So I was like, oh, let me call the wife. And now make this sound worse than it is. But I had to go. I don't. Maybe I don't. You literally have to get permission. So I called her up and I said, do you mind if I go? And she's like, no, of course you can go. Of course you can go. But we spoke about this the other day as well, didn't we? Like, but I mean, normally it comes a bit later when it's too late. You know, of course you can go. Oh, right. Yeah. We talked about that with the stag do. Of course we did. Yeah. Um, So I thought, so I thought, I better, I better go and do this while it's on a plane. Yeah. Well, I've got permission. You might not be allowed to leave the house again. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so I have I had two excursions last week, so that means I can't have any excursions this week. So I like the way you call them excursions, <laughs> <laughs> school trips. <laughs> and um, so anyway, she uh, so I went with Ian, and uh, I queued up just like everyone else. And uh, the guy came round, one of the d- doormen, and uh, and he said, "Oh, has anyone got the premium VIP?" And Ian, my friend Ian, says, "Oh yeah, we've got premium VIP." And I said, "Before you make me walk." 200 metres past this queue again because remember the mentality of the wrestling I grew up with you, you're never a punter yeah okay right or wrong, wrong. but that, that's the, oh very much wrong I get it I get it totally but it's still sort of ingrained in there you know so I said to Ian I said if we leave this queue and you make me and because you've told because Brett's told you your names are on the door kind of thing and we don't I'm just going home right and we got, I was joking but uh, so anyway we walk to the door we get straight in and um, keep in mind, this whole excursion, for me at least, was to get that nice picture with Bret Hart. Okay, so uh, we joined this queue. There's people at this uh, premium meet and greet. Bret Hart's there on the stage. He's taking nice pictures of everyone. Um, he sat down with everyone's pictures, which is important to me. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I swear, uh, so Ian's obviously in front of me. There's another chap in front of him. Ian brought his son, Bret, who was obviously named after Bret, and on their text conversations, Bret Hart had said, oh, I look forward to meeting little Bret. So, uh, I and then... that was a point where Ian was like, oh, I didn't actually call him Bret. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, all of a sudden it hit me, um, like, uh, I, the terminology isn't a ton of bricks, is it? But it hit me, I have had a nice picture of Bret the Hitman Hart. So I'm literally one of the next in queue. And I was like, no, I, I do already have my picture. <laughs> so I've come all the way to London. And the picture I'd completely forgotten about was when you had him at your call in 2013. And do you remember I said this? I prefer photos in a group as opposed to just one-to-one. Yeah. We had a picture with Bret Hart and the whole training school. Do you remember yeah, that picture? I do remember I'd that I'd completely picture, yeah. forgotten all about it. So I had already had my Bret Hart memento, essentially, of that photo. So anyway, um, I went up So on now you're there, you're like... Let's just go. Out. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I've got I'm, my picture. I'm going to go in. You can stay if you like. So, uh, so anyway, I did go off on the stage with Ian um, and had a little chat with Brett, and he remembered. He remembered us. The, I said, "Oh, hi, Brett. I'm Andy. I promote some events through Revolution Pro Wrestling with you in Portsmouth and Southampton." He said, "Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember." And I went, "Oh, you remember?" It's like <laughs> he's not got dementia. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't all that long ago. And uh, he said, oh, it was a great time. And he, he had a he said, should we get a picture? And we all got a nice picture together. So um, if you go on my Instagram, which I've just joined Instagram, Boy Simmons, B-O-Y-S-I-M-M-O-N-Z, 1984, you'll see that. That seems like a long handle. Well, Boy Simmons, no, he won't let me have it. So mm. there's not a lot I could do, unfortunately. So anyway, um, the nice picture is on there. Wow. That is my... What a- a redemption story, isn't that, it? I've then you realise you already have a picture halfway through. Oh yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah I was like, oh, what, why am I even here? 
I'm glad. I'm yeah. glad you're able to get your but picture. We did stay for about an hour the, of the evening with, and to be fair, Dinaeus was a great host, and uh, and um, it was just. It's like you can hear those same stories from Bret Hart in terms of whether they're in his book or on his DVDs, but he's just such a captivating storyteller that I don't think people give him enough credit for. Yeah, I think, uh, but that shows that comes across in his ring work as well, right? Oh, I guess so. Yeah. Story, like, yeah. I, know, I know it seems crazy, but like, um, <laughs> like it, it translates, and like, yeah. um, and I, this is what I say to everyone, like. You're, when you're wrestling, you're creating stories. You're creating your own. You know, it was that line from Beyond the Mat, isn't it? We make movies. Yeah. You know, but that's essentially what you're doing within your match. It's your own little movie. Yeah. You know, um, and if you can tell, you know, if you've got that vision for being able to see what makes a good story in a match, then often it translates to being able to narrate a good story, so to speak. Yeah. You know? um, with beginnings, middles, ends, and uh, you know, and and being uh, good at talking, yeah, so, he, yeah uh, it's always fascinating. He uh, he had a, I don't. There was just like some stories, and obviously, being a '90s WWF kid, it made me long to kind of be in that era. Yeah, you know, of like, although I imagine it was exhausting, you know, when they're on the road for like 90 days or whatever it is, I can imagine it is exhausting. But they're making good money, like real good money. And it was probably worth it. And it makes you go, oh, I'd have loved to be in a wrestler back then. Yeah. So. Yeah. It was a different world, wasn't it? Yeah. But I think it, it, the whole thing was a different world. Because you might be like, oh, I'd love to have been a wrestler back then. But it's pretty cool living in 2018, isn't it? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like, you don't have to wonder about anything. Like, no. The other day, I literally Googled, why is my baby staring at me? Yeah. Yeah, I saw. Yeah. Because I'm beautiful, apparently. Now you, oh, is that what it is, is it? Well, that's what it said on the... <laughs> oh, that was, that was a good lie. So... um. So yeah, um, uh, I I, th- I think that yeah, 2018 is all right, isn't it? Yeah. Um, something else I was going to talk about as well mm-hmm. was uh, well, I can't, I'm not sure if I alluded to it at the beginning, did I? About being taken out of context. Oh, lot. go on, okay. I just thought I feel like I should. Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's not harp on about it though, because we're only no. going to give people more ammunition. Or ammunition, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. So but, you um, said something. So, oh, so so a few things. So first of all. I prefer this podcast when we talk about historical British wrestling. Okay. <laughs> because when we talk about historical British wrestling, I feel that there's less bite back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we've only had one death threat from yeah. collectively and between the two yeah. of us. And you, and it was, and, and it, it wasn't was, even it you. It wasn't directed at me. Yeah. That's from talking about historical British wrestling. Um, and I think it's very important to speak about historical stuff that people just don't remember. Or like a lot of new fans, they weren't around during that time. But obviously the last few weeks have brought upon, um, shall we say, a lot more current <laughs> professional wrestling. Current events. Um, current events. Um, and of course, I'm alluding to stuff evolving around this WWE UK stuff. And I don't want to harp on about it. Um, but um, I I seem to be getting <laughs> an increasing amount of people um, who either tweet at me or they, or I do one of those Twitter vanity search. I can't help it. Okay. I don't think you, I've ever done one. Really? You should do. Because like, even though, like, even though, um, is that you find out what people are really saying. And ob- obviously, nine times out of ten, it's negative stuff because someone's more likely going to at you at something yeah. positive than negative, right? Yep. So nine times out of ten, it's negative stuff. And I always ask myself when I do these vanity searches, like, oh, why did you bother doing that? See, I'd rather just not n- not know. I know, but I like... Ignorance is bliss, right? Yeah. But I like to... Uh, I don't know. So I was talking to um, our friend earlier who... Um, he said, 
he said he never does it because all you have, you know, these people who tweet negativity, and then like, it doesn't mean all their tweets are negative towards anything, you know, they're not attacking. But, like, you've worked so hard to get to anywhere, um, you you don't need to hear the negative things. Yeah. You, they don't know how hard any of us, we don't know how hard the man in the office next door works, but I bet he works bloody hard. And But we don't sit there and pretend to know his business and comment in a negative light about that it. Is, that is very true, yeah. So, but, so, but we know. We know what we put into it. So why would we be interested in what people have got to say that's not hum- nice? Human nature. Well, it's I not think. for me. I'm just like, I'd, I'd just I rather know. not know. So uh, I I'd, I'm just guess I'm curious. And, yeah. uh, and, and I feel like as well, we put our opinions out on a public forum. Like, because all we're doing in this podcast is giving our opinions. We're not necessarily, um, we're not stating facts. Um, I mean, sometimes, obviously, we are stating fact when we're reminiscing about events, but like when we give our opinions on certain wrestlers or characters, stuff like that, it's just opinion. Mm. Um, so I think it's fair to listen to other people's opinions. And obviously, there's different types of opinions, constructive opinion, constructive and otherwise. Um, but what I've been finding most interesting over the last few weeks is how, how regularly I've been taken out of context okay. um, from this very podcast. So an example I will give you is someone wrote... Um, something along the lines of I, I, I'm I'm paraphrasing here. This isn't verbatim. This is a. But someone said, "Have you heard about what Andy Quilden has been saying about WWE UK?" And the person said, "No. What is he saying?" In fact, let's try and if I can, if I can do it in a quick and timely manner. You got literally five I, seconds. I replied, "Are you going to do a countdown? Do a countdown." Five, four. You used to do that a lot three. before you hurt people, right? <laughs> what? You used to be like. You used to do st- say stuff and then be like five, four, oh, three, yeah, but and then punch people. Right? No, I'd never do. I never actually ever get physical ever. Are you sure? I will in a minute if you don't pull up okay. this this tweet. All right, I found it. Okay. So this is just one example. So uh, did you happen to see Andy Corden's comments on the state of British wrestling after the announcement of the second WWE UK tournament? And if so, what were your thoughts? Nope. Anything interesting? Thanks for listening, Chris Royals. <laughs> listen to the podcast you hear it all um, and uh, just that, so this guy replies saying just that WWE have decimated the British scene by signing up people like Tony Storm Leggero etc I mean I personally disagree because it opens up opportunities for others to make a name for themselves right I don't remember you saying that I didn't say that. <laughs> no. I categorically didn't say that. So I just replied to a tweet saying, where did I say that? And I, I haven't had a reply yet. So, okay. Um, but I I haven't said that at all. I've, I've been nothing but... I think I've been relatively positive about the whole scenario. The only, the only negative thing I've said about it is it's a shame that I haven't been able to uh, finish up with the guys in the manner that I would have liked to have finished up with the guys. Um, yeah, so that's all I've said. All I've said is like, a, you know... I would like to still be able to use the guys, and if I if I'm not able to use the guys still, then that's a that's upsetting for me. Um, but you know, and, and I've spoken time and time again about the um, the great opportunities that this leaves so many other people, and I'm excited about the opportunities it gives other people, and I'm excited for those who've gone to WWE UK to have a platform to show their stuff to another audience and to grow their brands. Um, I think it's an exciting time for everyone. And for anyone who doesn't see opportunity in times like this, I think you're in the wrong profession. And I mean and I mean that from the bottom of my heart, from wrestlers who, um, you know, perhaps haven't been in the ITV world of sport and haven't been in um, the WWE UK thing. And they might be thinking like, oh, well, you know, I've been grafting for so long at this profession. 
yet when these opportunities come, I've been overlooked. But to me, what I would then, if I was them, I'd look at the spaces, the gaps that that's created within the market and be like, I'm going to fill those gaps. And I'm going to use this as my opportunity to propel myself to the next level. Um, so I think that you can't look at, it, at this whole scenario as, as anything but positive myself. Mm -hmm. um, so, so yeah, I just wanted to clear that up, really. I mean, there has been a lot of funny stuff as well. Like, for example, my favourite one, I think, was the reason why... Um, the reason why WWE UK... Uh, and again, this... <laughs> This could be true who knows <laughs> but um but like someone wrote something really funny something a lot a lot well quite a few people have alluded to the fact actually saying that the reason why this has happened is because the progress wrestling champion was defeated by rob lias on a revolution pro wrestling show 24 hours before the wwe uk should we say contract signings medicals whatever they were yeah um and uh and i just thought that was hilarious in in many ways, but, um, you know, and, and I saw someone wrote, oh, he's, and he just booked it out of spite, right? Yeah. And, uh, and again, I always say context is all, and let's put things in context. I don't like breaking down the 4-4, but I think this is kind of an interesting story because, and it's an example of how you can look at one situation, read it one way, or you could just go to the source of what, <laughs> you know, the source and, and say, you know, what, what did happen? Why did this happen? Um, and find out the actual answer. So I'm going to reveal the actual answer here on the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast. Oh, exclusive. So there's an exclusive coming up. And uh, this is this is like, a, I guess this is like a shoot interview, isn't it? Go but, on. Um, so, um, obviously, the last, uh, the last uh, show at the London Cockpit, Live at Cockpit 29, um, it happened 24 hours before all the guys went off to WWE. And that's the day after was when we found out they couldn't work out shows. Um, and uh, so at this time, I had no knowledge that uh, you know that these guys I knew they were going to WWE UK but as far as I knew um, we'd be able to continue as we had been able to use Pete Dunne Trent Seven Tyler Bate um, Mark Andrews I, I assumed that that would have trend would have just continued with these other guys um, and, I, and as I alluded to last week I had a conversation with WWE themselves where they said they wanted these guys to be working you know in episodic programs where they you know where they work programs rather than come in for one shot deals and they want the guys to be safe in a safe environment and work in the best wrestlers and i felt like i offered that kind of environment so i had no reason to think anything but you know that it'll it will be fine um and travis banks was scheduled to main event the show against jeff cobb um but then on the morning of a show and it was literally the morning of a show i got a text message from trav saying He's hurt his ankle. He can't wrestle in a, in a singles match against Jeff Cobb. Um, is there anything we can do to do an angle or change it or, you know, just be understanding of his situation, basically? And obviously, I knew he had the WWE deal the next day. And the last thing that I would want is for him to go into it any worse off, you know, and, and going into a, a war with Jeff Cobb in the main event. I think if you're, if you're kind of slight, if you're not 100%, one of the, the last men you'd want to step in the ring with is someone with the strength of Jeff Cobb, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, so we came up with a deal where he, he would wrestle Rob Lias, but the, the whole idea behind it, and again, this is like breaking kayfabe, <laughs> but like, and I, and I, I, you know, I don't do it often, but I feel like just to put some context on this, we probably should. You've defended yourself. I'm just, yeah, I've got, I've got my guard up, haven't I? Um, but like, um, so I, uh, the, the idea behind what happened was Travis Banks comes out in his street clothes, not his wrestling attire, he's in his street clothes, and he says he can't wrestle. Rob Lias, the opportunist, and 
you know, the gob comes out and gobs off to Travis Banks, challenging, challenges him to a match, knowing full well that Travis Banks isn't going to take the match because he's not been medically cleared to wrestle. Um, and he goads him, he goads him, pokes him with that stick, and eventually, boom, Travis Banks nails him. So I guess we've got an impromptu match on our hands. The match lasts approximately three minutes because Travis Banks' dodgy ankle gives up on him as he tries to springboard off the ropes. Rob takes advantage quickly, rocks a submission on, tap, tap, tap. Rob Lyers defeats Travis Banks. Now, obviously, if you looked at the internet and you saw Rob Lyers defeats Travis Banks via submission in three minutes, you might read one story. Yeah. But if you watched the actual match, it happened the way I explain it right now. Um, and as I always say, context is all. Um, so there's your context. Now, where do we go from there as someone, you know, I, and I feel that I can safely say where we go from there because obviously we can't go anywhere from there because we don't have Travis Banks now. But like, obviously the idea would have been Travis Banks would have been chasing Rob Lias for a rematch to avenge that loss. And Rob Lias, being the cocky asshole that he is, refuses to wrestle Travis Banks, says, you know, his exact pr words in his promo were, you should have been a coward, were his words for his promo. You yeah. Know? Um, and if you look, look, see Travis Banks afterwards, he said, you know, he says, I shouldn't have taken the match, you know, as he's getting tended to by medical staff. Yeah. So to me, that lays out a perfect foundation for Travis Banks seeking revenge and Rob Lias dodging him. And eventually the two meet with each other and have a professional wrestling match. What's it sound like? Yeah. It professional wrestling, yeah. right? Yeah. Professional wrestling. It sounds like, yeah. So, um, you know, um, no one, no one lost anything. Would have, lo you know, Travis Banks doesn't lose anything from from losing to someone who is uh, relatively new to the scene. Rob Lias gets a shine of working with Travis Banks and also has the bragging rights of being able to say, "I defeated Travis Banks," um, and Travis Banks can go for revenge. And when he gets his hands on Rob and beats him up, the fans will be happy, and we have a nice, a nice little program there. But um, yeah. I guess it was it was taken to mean by others. Yeah. I was trying to trying to bring down bury progress way wrestling out. and yeah. Uh, and and yeah, bury bury the progress champ and and bury Trav on his way out. You know, when nothing to do with that at all. You know, it's uh, like I said, there's a context. It's professional wrestling. You know, um, storytelling. Storytelling. Yeah. There we go. And, and what would I have to gain by uh, by pulling pulling one of my top guys down? a couple of notches, you know, for no reason whatsoever. So, you know, like I say, we make movies. Yeah. So there you go. So I wonder this one, that story is probably going to get taken out of context in some way, shape or form. <laughs> sure. But, um, but, uh, um, you know, I'm not going to defend myself anymore. <laughs> no. no, we don't need to raise it again, do we? Well, no. well, we'll see. But we probably will. Yeah. We probably will when there's outroar and outcry. <laughs> um, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. So we we um, so that's a, you know a kind of um, yeah I guess that's a, a bit of a, a whistle stop tour around the world of professional wrestling over the last few days and uh, and you get in your uh, your moment with the Hitman um, and next week Andy it's um, it's a uh, a special week for you I get well, not so for you <laughs> not, for, not so like, much for me it's not for you but it's a special week in terms of um, something that affects you. Um, because it's Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Week. Yes. Um, so that's coming up next week. So obviously, rather than do it when we're in the middle of Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Week, we kind of decided we're going to touch upon Cystic Fibrosis and uh, this week. Um, so we raise awareness 
for the awareness week and hopefully we can do some some good from this episode and should we say educate some people I like to think we educate people on a weekly basis anyway. Yeah. With our, I, you know, with our knowledge and ramblings of professional wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I like getting tweets like this. We got one this week. And again, we don't get thousands at all or even hundreds. But someone tweeted saying, how have I only just discovered the A-squared Circle Wrestling Podcast? Like, what a great podcast. Do you know what I'd say? Go on. You must be living under a rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only, only reason. Only possible explanation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so we do. I do. I guess we do. So, yeah. So next week is uh, Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Week. This is something like I talked about. When we talked to, to about the Greg Lambert book. This is something I've always kept very private, and I, I we'll get into why I think later. Um, but I guess I'll probably start with essentially what it is, because because one of the reasons why I don't tell people about it is because it's got such a, like a violent isn't the right word but it's it's a complex complicated name so i'll say to someone and this is one reason why i don't tell people is because i'll say oh i was born with cystic fibrosis we'll go what it, it's not saying that rolls off the tongue is it so so uh, it, cystic fibrosis it's sort of known as cf as as uh, an abbreviation and i'll pull up the wikipedia um definition uh, to give people a bit of a rough idea as to what cystic fibrosis is. So cystic fibrosis is a genetic disorder that affects mostly the lungs, but also the pancreas, liver, kidneys and intestine. Long-term issues include difficulty breathing and coughing up mucus as a result of frequent lung infections. So that is basically the gist of it, okay, is there's a there's a genetic, um, there's a gene inside of me somewhere, however genetics work, that was passed down from my mum and my dad. So... Um, to put it into context, so to be born with cystic fibrosis, both your mum and your dad both have to have that defective gene. And then even then, right, the odds are quite low and of then it, it happening. Well, right? the, the odds are then one in four of it happening. So I'm one of three boys. I'm the only one born with cystic fibrosis fully. But one of my brothers is a carrier of the defective gene. The other brother doesn't have any defective gene at all. So... Put it how just so if you've got the defective gene and Haley hasn't, you'll have no there's no way of you having a baby with cystic fibrosis. If Haley does and you do, um, there's one in four. So when me and my wife went through IVF to have our daughter, um, obviously I've got the defective gene, and Lindsay, my wife, had to have the test to see whether she had the defective gene, and it turns out, um, that she does have the defective gene. You've got bad luck, haven't yeah, you? Yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So she went for a blood test. They called me up and they said, oh, can you come in for the results? And I was just like, well, can't you just tell me over the phone? Because the odds of having the defective gene, I think that's like one in 25 people. Yeah. So almost pretty high to a degree. If you think like one in every classroom almost. Yeah. You know, if you think about kids at school. Um, but we thought, no, nah, she won't have the defective gene. And, uh, and anyway, she does have the defective gene. So that's why we had to have to go through a special process of IVF to make sure that the two the defective, two, they don't, they don't together, combine, yeah. 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 So, um, so that is basically, in a nutshell, what it is. My mum has a rare mutation of the defective gene. That's why, despite being Every born with... Every time you say gene, I think about the lady that works in your mum's shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, sorry, I can't change that, unfortunately. Yeah, this is G-E-N-E, not G-E-A-N. Um, so, uh, so I'm going to try and make this... We, we're talking about genetics and science, some of it. I'm going to try and make this as entertaining and as fun as possible. Okay. And can I just add as well, if I say anything that may say, seem insensitive, I'm not 
trying to be insensitive. <laughs> no, I think, I'm yeah, but I think you know me to know I'm pretty blasé about the whole thing. So my mum has a rare mutation of this gene. Um, and because of that, I don't suffer as much as, I mean, you probably notice, but I don't, I've seen really ill people. So, you know? yeah, but I think, okay, so I think there's two sides of this story. And I think you can tell your, obviously, I want you to tell your story. Yeah. But like, from my perspective, so for example, my wife is a nurse. Yes. And when I told her you had cystic fibrosis, she was like, no, no, he doesn't. Because yeah. she's obviously seen people with cystic fibrosis who are obviously in a lot worse state than you are. Yes. Right. But what I will say is through knowing you, you have never had the mentality of, oh, I'm sick. Right. Okay. In the sense of, you're always sick. <laughs> but in the sense of, um, in the sense of um, some people when they're when they're ill they just they just they let it let it they let, let it them defeat them s- yeah they, they do whereas i think you are the opposite of that so for example i and i'm sure you can tell us this story yourself but um when you think of cystic fibrosis and sufferers of cystic fibrosis you don't think of professional wrestlers right so this is a word that i never use and the word you just used is i never tell people i suffer from cystic fibrosis although i'd rather not have it but I don't suffer it. I, I like. I, funny enough, I've just come on Instagram, like I said earlier. I'm going to try and be a little bit more open about it because at my age of 34, I'd rather try and spread some positive messages. Because for the people that do know, I get messages from people in Canada, um, from all over, not all the time, but like, because some people do know, because it is on some websites, um, tell me oh, how amazing it is I do it, but I never publicize it. And that word suffer, I'm not a sufferer because I won't let it, I won't let myself suffer. Like when I'm 70, I might be suffering from it horrendously, but like I, right now I'm not suffering Lots from it. Lots of people don't live till 70 though, so... You know. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Yeah, if I get that far, I might be lucky. Yeah. So, um, sorry, so what was your question? Um, uh, no, so I'm just saying like you haven't let... You, yeah. you haven't let it be... You've, you've, you've kind of... Over, yeah. You've kind of not let yourself be defined by the illness. Yeah, yeah. So, so we meet people in every walk of life who it's almost like the first thing they tell you is what's wrong with them. And I say this with all the love in the world, but they'll say, hi, my name's David and I'm... Can I give an example before yeah. you dig yourself into it? A... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So an example I'll give, and again, just pulling it back to wrestling, is we get people who want to come to the wrestling school mm-hmm. um, and they will inquire about coming to the wrestling school. Yes. And they will come up with reasons why they can't attend the wrestling school, despite the fact they're the people who are inquiring to me about taking part in professional wrestling. So it would be stuff like, um, I'm thinking about coming to wrestling school, but at the moment I'm not in very good shape. Is that a problem? Yeah. I'm thinking about coming to the wrestling school, but I could only make one class a week. Is that a problem? I'm thinking about coming to wrestling school, um, but my, I don't know. Well, I don't know, like, I, I think something that's, that's sort of considered by some to be fairly uh, mild, but isn't, uh, is asthma. Yeah, I'm thinking about coming to wrestling school. But I've got asthma, asthma. okay? Yeah. So it's very similar in a sense to cystic fibrosis that affects the lungs and the breathing and stuff like that. So, yeah, so it's almost like a lot of people want it. The first thing they'll tell you is what's wrong with them. Yeah. It's the last thing I tell anyone. Yeah, and why, so for example, why they can't do something because of what's wrong. Yeah. And, and for you, that's like, you know, 
let's figure out if we can do it first. <laughs> yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah, and then uh, I can remember when I joined the wrestling, I'm jumping ahead a bit here, but like when I first joined Mark Sones wrestling school, I don't think I even told him because I just, I'm just not that type. I don't want that. So so uh, somebody said this to me once. They worded it like they said, Andy, the things you, you don't want a pity party. Okay, so the worst thing imaginable to me is someone coming up, up to me and rubbing me on the head and going, didn't you do well? You know, like, I just couldn't imagine anything more patronising and embarrassing than that. So, um, so I guess I'll just tell my story as to how it, how it, um, how it affected me in my childhood and how it actually, in, in my, the way I've dealt with it, how it's helped myself um, become a pro wrestler, how I'm in such good health now, and if I can manage to inspire, or not even kids with CF, like kids with any issue, if you know someone with cystic fibrosis, or you know someone with any um, condition, hopefully maybe I can help. I don't know. Is that the point of this? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. That's, but that's exactly it. But it's not It's not like a self it's not I'm not okay. trying to... I, that's the thing. I never, I, didn't, I never wanted a pity party, and I never wanted people to be like... I never wanted to come across like preachy. Yeah. Oh, look what I've achieved, I, you know? To me, it's all about raising awareness. And yeah. like, I think there's probably people who listen to this podcast who don't know what cystic fibrosis is. People who listen to this podcast who want to hear me slag some people off. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People, you know, I, and, and I feel like the, the most important thing you can do, and I think that it, it is to raise awareness, um, the same way when we had Kieran on, mm-hmm. um, you know, a few weeks ago, and he was talking about, um, you know, battling addiction. Um, you could easily hide away from that. He could easily hide away from that. He could easily not tell anyone who, you know, who he, he encounters about that. But what he said was if he can help one person, yeah. then he's done his job. And and I think that it's almost like there may be some people, because I know you said to me, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I know you said to me that like you've seen nurses in the hospital which are surprised about how well you've been doing. Yeah. And you have, you, you, uh, and I, and don't let it beat you. And all I'm saying is that so often you get people who, and, and again, I know everyone suffers differently and I don't want to be sounding condescending or patronizing. But what I do know is, and, and, and we deal a lot with, um, with kids with, uh, ADHD or autism. Um, and I think that, and again, we, I know there's varying levels of, of that as well. But one thing that we always try to do is treat everyone like human beings and treat everyone equally rather than being like, oh, you're autistic, so we're going to treat you, we're going to wrap you in cotton wool. And and I think that that that's a big part of taking that first step is treating people like they are normal human beings. I mean, if you defined yourself by your disease, um, which is a horrible word, um, but a disease is something you get in life. A condition is something you okay. born with. I think. Okay, so if I you think define different, so, so if you de- define yourself by your condition, um, you may be wrapped in cotton wool. It might be like, oh, for lack of a better term, like, oh, Andrew doesn't need to take part in PE because yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? yeah, yeah. And like, I think the most important thing is if people listen to this and they realise they may be sufferers or they may know they may know someone who has the condition, um, you know, or or you know, if people listen to it and realise you don't have to give in to it, you don't have to wrap yourself in cotton wool, you can... At least, so my thing is always like, give yourself half a chance. Yeah. You know. Don't write yourself off. Don't write yourself off, yeah. So so I was, um, so I was always like, 
I, like an ill kid at school, but I'd always join in. So like, I was never the one who sat out because I was ill, but I'd still go play football with all my school friends. But I'd always be the crap footballer. Mainly because you can't <laughs> kick a ball. <laughs> maybe not, <laughs> not so much. Yeah. Maybe not. <laughs> but I, I'd like, no matter how poorly I felt, I never, but this was before I was diagnosed. So like I said, this is something you're born with. So I've, I've had this my whole life, but it was probably when I was about 10 or 11. So no, maybe a bit younger than that because I had my tonsils out. I had my, something called adenoids. I wouldn't even know where they were. I think they were in your nose or something. And, um, but the reason why is because every morning I'd wake up and I'd throw up, and this is gets a little bit graphic, like lo- like pints almost of phlegm, and it, it, I'd just be clearing it off my chest because I clearly had a severe chest infection, but no one knew why I was producing all this phlegm. Okay, so that's just kind of one of the main. That's I'd probably say that's the main thing a lot of people with cystic fibrosis have to deal with is your body produces too much phlegm. So, uh, so, so I go see doctors, like my GP, I mean, he'd say, oh, you'll grow out of it, you'll grow out of it. And then my poor mum is putting her hair out thinking, well, my other two boys don't do this. Where is this coming from? So eventually we met up with a retired doctor just on the recommendation because my mum runs a news agent. She meets hundreds of people every day. And uh, they suggested, well, go talk to this doctor. Maybe he can help you out. And that's when I, he sort of examined me and said, it could be this, like cystic fibrosis. Why don't you um, do whatever you have to do through your GP to get a test? So I had to go for something called a sweat test, which just as a side story, I went to St Mary's Hospital, and where I lived, down a road called Cotton Road, on that very place, before they built houses there, was a side hospital, which is where I went for my sweat test. test. Yeah. So uh, You liked it so much you moved in. (laughs) I loved it. So... uh, so I went for my sweat test, um, which is quite literally as it sounds. They, you sit there with like four jumpers on next to a radiator. You've got to sweat. I don't know why they couldn't just put me on a treadmill or they something. Put you in a sauna. Yeah, well, yeah. And uh, they kind of you, they use this particular uh, device to to capture the sweating, and um, they tested it. I must have had blood tests and a few other examinations. Nothing like too intrusive. You know, it wasn't like a horrible experience or anything. And uh, they said, yeah. And then I got diagnosed with CF and I just for my 13th birthday. So that was nearly 13 years of essentially being born with it before being diagnosed with it, which is uh, it's not a record by any means. There's probably people walking around now that don't know, <laughs> yeah. who yeah. don't know they've got it. But um, you'd probably have symptoms of it, but you might not be bad enough to even sort of think about it. So, yeah, so I wasn't actually diagnosed till I was 13, and also I'm still in school. You're just about approaching your GCSE years. So it's quite a pivotal time in your life to be hit with that. And at the time, um, the, the, the uh, what's the, what, the terminology, um, you know, like the life expectancy in 1997 of someone with CF was only 30 years old. So I was 13, so I'm thinking, I've nearly gone through half of my life most of it, I spent puking every morning. I was like, cool, what am I going to do with my life now? You know, like I kind of felt like... Let's go out and get a girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, let's go do something. So, uh, yeah. So, um, so anyway, it, it, it didn't... It, it didn't. I don't think I realised the... You're about 40 now, though, aren't you? So you've done all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've done all right. I'm actually 34 now. Um, so, uh, so I don't think I realised the significance of it that, I was go- that it was going to have in my life. But at the time... The only real way it was dealt with was I'd go see a consultant every three months who'd sort of, you'd have to do these things called um, spirometry tests, I think. I remember Haley. Oh, spirometry, yeah. 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 So I'd have to blow into this this machine. It would tell me how much air is in my lungs. Um, I'd have to have a blood test every year. 
it didn't really take up too much time unless I got ill because uh, then they knew what was wrong with me. It was a chest infection, so I had to go an intravenous drip for 10 days and then pump you through drugs for 10 days and you come out feeling good as new. It wasn't like I'd You'd come... always try to avoid that, right? Going in... Oh, I'd do everything I could to avoid it and uh, because I didn't like the intravenous drip being put in my arm, despite how great I would feel after it, it was that initial fear of someone putting that in your arm. Obviously, as I've got older, I've kind of dealt with it more. But uh, it, so, so really, it became a, a big problem. I think I was much iller than I realised was I'd started wrestling. So I just said to my mum on the trip to school one day, I said, I said, mum, I know what I want to do with my life. I'm not sure I've told this story. Um, and she was, I was almost like too embarrassed to tell her because I talked about it when I was like a little boy. Oh, I'm going to be a wrestler. But you don't really know what that means. Like I've said before, I've definitely said that before. And anyway, I was, she was driving me to school one day. And I said, I want to be a wrestler. And uh, and to be fair, she supported me the whole way. She didn't know what I was getting into at all. And um, But not once did it ever occur to me, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. Because you need to be fit. You need to be You need to be able to run. Like every wrestler says, there's no... There's no fitness to train for except for actually doing it. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, like... It's unlike anything else, isn't it? It's unlike because anything it's like else, yeah. Up, down, you, know, <coughs> you, have, to, you have to lift Excuse people. You know, yeah. Um, and like there's people... Uh, the, I think the, the thing that people often don't realise is just the, the action of the audience... Audience take away oxygen as well, don't yeah, they? right. So, just everything um, is like you know, like you and the hot lights, mm-hmm. you know, everything um, doesn't help. But obviously, I didn't really know, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. So, do you think, just in hindsight, yeah, do you think if you had any more of an understanding mm-hmm. of what was involved, what it would entail, um, and how having your condition, um, stacked all the odds against you because obviously you've gone into this as a child because I often talk about um, for myself now like I have a real sense of mortality so I can't do stuff that as a child I would have been able to do like that you know because I think what if this happens what if that happens so do you think almost that innocence of a child do you think if you'd left it what I'm saying I guess is do you think if you left it any longer you would have pursued this or do you think it was that innocence of a child that kind of almost got you to (laughs) to move forward if that makes sense yeah yeah I think I think Apart from wanting to be an actor, like I always wanted to be a show-off, clearly. I wanted to be an actor or a wrestler. Apart from wanting to be an actor for about a year, I didn't want to do anything else. So I didn't even realise it could slow me down and would just point blank stop me from doing it. So uh, I just, I just, there was nothing, there was no other option almost. It was like make or break. And no, I never made it, but like I'm doing pretty well out of wrestling overall. So it, it, that was it. It was almost like, well, I've got nothing to fall back on. So I'm going to have to do it. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to find a way <laughs> no to choice. do it. I've got no choice. So, uh, so I joined Mark Soane's wrestling school. As I said, I didn't tell him. And then it was actually. Uh, so this is where I think the story might get a little bit more interesting. So I joined Mark Soane's wrestling school. I didn't tell him. We went. We went to Bolton. So FWA ran a show in Bolton, April 2001. I don't think I can get in any trouble for this now. I essentially, with a couple of other lads, we were uh, in the back of a van. Okay, so we, we used to do that a lot back in the day. Yeah, you know, like get yeah. in the back of a van. Like, yeah, I couldn't dream of doing it now. Yeah, no. But uh, we get in the back of the van, and I remember I came home from that trip. This is April two thousand and one. The show was called When Thunder Strikes. It was John Farrah's show, and uh, and I came back so ill, like so, traveling four or five hours in the back of a van, probably freezing cold. Same thing on the way back. That just wasn't good for me at all. But it wasn't Mark's fault. Mark didn't know. So, and I wasn't going to tell him. I was just happy to kind of take that risk. And I can remember being ill for months and months and months. And uh, eventually, 
I'd had to give in because I didn't want to miss wrestling. I'd had maybe four or five matches by this point, and uh, no, I'd had three matches by this point. But I had another match lined up for July at the Pyramid Centre. No surprises, three it was called, and there was no way I was going to miss that. And then I knew the summer was coming up, and uh, you know Mark was going to run some more shows, so. There's no way I was going to miss it. And then I just got, I got worse and worse and worse and worse. And I was, this stuff was disgusting coming out of me. And, uh, and then eventually I had to concede. I just had to give in and go, I need to go in for treatment. You know, I need to go in for... And treatment sounds really serious. Like, it's, it's essentially a, a course of antibiotics that already weren't doing the trick. But intravenously, they work fantastic. So I had to go in. Uh, I had to put my arm, obviously. was there for two weeks. And... I was 17, and that day I came out there, I promised myself I would never go in for another treatment of intravenous antibiotics. So, unfortunately, that hasn't been entirely true, but I was in for injury before I'd started wrestling, so before I'd put it to the back of my mind, and I was almost in denial about it, um, I was in for treatment every three months, and that was quite common for people with cystic fibrosis who have it worse than I do, they were in two weeks, every four weeks, every eight weeks, you know, like they were in regularly. Yeah. I was every three months and it was the October 2001 because I did Wrestle Express. It was before Wrestle Express, I think. And I promised myself I was never going in for that treatment again. I was not going to take two weeks out of my life to um, to put myself through that because it's boring. Do you know what I'm yeah. sat, it's, we don't like, we have Wi-Fi then. Yeah, and it's not like you're, uh, I don't like, you know, like you're sick the same way you're sick. You'd be sick out outdoors, right? Right. But yeah. Like you're yeah. just you're just in a hospital, I'm, and you have to be in there because obviously you've got the fluids on drip and you've mm-hmm. got the antibiotics on drip. Yeah. And as a result, you're you're kind of confined to the the little gimmick you walk around with. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd be on that for probably like an hour, an hour in the morning, hour in the afternoon, hour in the evening. I was kind of free to come and go. Like my dad would take me into town, and my mum would, and you know, it's not like I was totally stuck. But I'd be there every night, and uh, I can remember they had this video. Uh, video player and I sat and watched Muppet Treasure Island I think once every day because it was just like a bit like your life at the moment (laughs) I've always been fascinated by the Muppet I've been been fascinated by puppets my whole life so anyway I watched that like every day and uh, and they had an N64 like a you know that I'd play Mario Kart on so it was a good little setup but I was 17 and I'm just thinking there's no way I'm going to do this I can't do this again so anyway, I promised myself, so as soon as I left that, that hospital in, uh, let's say, October 2001, I joined a gym. No, my mum bought me my first set of weights. And that was going to be, in my mind, that was going to be my passage to being healthy was through exercise, which is something I've preached ever since because it has worked so well for me. Uh, I have had some hiccups along the way, but they're almost unavoidable. So anytime I catch a cold... But anytime you catch a cold, you could get a uh, chest infection from it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, but obviously I'm a little bit more susceptible to it because of the condition. But um, I decided, no, I'm going to I'm gonna get in the gym. I'm going to lift weights. So I lifted weights at home for about three months. And do you know what was the most inspiring thing I'd seen? Do you know what that was? Um, the, I want to guess, but I can't. something to do uh, pumping iron. No, it was rest- it's wrestling. Uh, when Triple H oh, I was came g- back, gone. I, g- I was going to guess the British Bulldogs video. <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't even out yet. That did- no, was when- it not out? The British Bulldogs. The, the workout video. Yeah. No, I think that surfaced years later. Oh, really? I-, I thought it was on the. I thought it was on the. Um, you know, the VHS. No, it wasn't. Was it no, not? certainly wasn't. Okay. No. So, um, so 
Triple H had just done his comeback at Madison Square oh, Garden. So the, yeah. He took his top off. Like he did his thing with Kurt Angle. He took his top off and he just looked a million dollars. He looked amazing. And I was like, I want to look like that. That was it. I, I, I never did. <laughs> and I probably never will. But I was, gonna, I was determined to try. And I knew to look like that, I would have to get in the gym and commit myself. So, um, so that was 2001 leading into 2002 was the bit with Triple H. And I, th- I went through about a three or four run, a three or four year run of not actually having, I'd go visit the doctor for checkups every few months, like it was all essentially essential, um, but I never had to have any treatment. So I was doing, excuse me, it wasn't until 2004, actually, and the only reason why I put that down to was, because uh, you remember I had to miss the Gold Rush show. Gold Rush show where you were going to win the I was Rumble supposed to win to the Rumble. The number one contender, and then you are going to go on to win the Win the title, title, yeah, all based around this cystic fibrosis angle yeah. that Alex had suggested and Greg had started, and so uh, and the reason why I um, why I think I became ill around then, I had a girlfriend who smoked, and which I should have known that was a big no no. Wow. Yeah, that was it, it, I put myself in some stupid situations sometimes because I'm so like, especially if anyone ever met her, <laughs> <laughs> Big Bird they called her, not because she was. <laughs> That's because she was tall, okay. And you're uh, short as well, aren't you? So. Yeah. So, um, so, so. Uh, it's more like Big Bird off of Sesame Street. That's right? the joke, yeah, yeah, yeah Big Bird, because she was blonde as well. Yeah, so. Not like Big Girl. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Big Bird. Um, so, uh, so she smoked, you know, like she knew about the condition, but again, like because I never made a big deal out of it, it was all, no one, no one sort of really sympathised with me because it wasn't. I never made it, you know, I never was like, oh, but I'm sick, I'm poorly. I never, like I say, I never wanted that pity party, so I never let it bother me. So I can remember losing my temper when I was about 15. My mum's friends, we went to visit them, and it wasn't until we'd left, my mum said, oh, did you notice that everyone went outside to smoke? And I was like, why? And she was like, well, because they were concerned about your condition. I was like, no, F that. Like, <clears throat> I mean, now I'm older. I would just, you know, like some of our lads smoke at the school and I'm just like, get oh, away from me. I yeah. like when they smoke at the door of the school as well. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It just all drifts into the... Oh. Yeah, it's gross, isn't it? So, uh, yeah, I've always kind of been like, I don't want anyone's pity at all. So, um, well, I think maybe part of it is I don't want people talking about me as well. You know, I don't want people to go, oh, Andy, Andrew's poorly, so um, we'll smoke outside, okay. You know, I, I, that winds me up no end but I know like it's already meant with the best in possible in good faith yeah, in good faith yeah, yeah I do know I do fully fully realise that so um, so anyway I'm not going to go through my whole bloody uh, intravenous antibiotics diary but uh, yeah so 2004 and then again in 2009 uh, again I end up with a different girlfriend who smoked you know I just couldn't seem to keep away from them and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah, my most recent time in hostel was 2013, so it's been over five years now. And I think I remember you. So you kind of that was just like an inevitability in the end, right? You were kind of ill for a little while before then, right? Yeah, I, again, I didn't like, want to give in. Yeah, you know, and I had a new girlfriend who's now my wife, and I didn't want. We'd only been together six months, I think, and I didn't want to be like, oh, I've got this problem, and I've got going to hostel for two weeks, and I, and like I said, I, I think in a way, I'm almost a bit ashamed of it. So. And I don't say that because I don't, just because I want to be like, my, my heroes growing up were He-Man, Hulk Hogan, do you know what I mean? You never saw He-Man and Hulk Hogan when they went home though, did you? you no, I guess I mean? not. No, so um, no, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it, that's the wrong word, but I, the people I grew up admiring and wanting to be like, they didn't have it, 
So when I met my my girlfriend, who's now my wife, um, she, I just didn't want to appear like weak in any way. And again, that's my own psyche. It's almost like when you have pictures taken, you always stand on tiptoes. Yeah, I did that with a photo of Bret Hart. I stood on <laughs> tiptoes. Yeah, because no one can see my feet. So that's just we a wrestling trick, though. isn't it? We but all know. There's a Brett great was picture. On his tiptoes as well. <laughs> <laughs> There's a great picture from uh, my wedding actually, where like it's like a long shot, you mm-hmm. know, where they do of like everyone. It's a lovely yeah, picture. Yeah, I see. But you're yeah. literally on your tiptoes. Yeah. There's a picture of you <laughs> on your tiptoes because the feet are included. Yeah. But be careful about those ones. I will, yeah, yeah. If I, yeah, I'll learn. I'll learn. But um, so so I guess because my, my sort of message is what I sometimes forget when talking about it is how wrestling doesn't owe me anything because I think it saved my life. So I got into wrestling and to be a successful professional wrestler, you need to look the part or at least be in some physical condition. And I was always determined to look like He-Man, look like Hulk Hogan, look like Triple H. I was in the gym every single day. And then all of a sudden I was having such a tremendous um, positive response to it because obviously your lungs are working and you're breathing heavy and you're exercising and your heart's going. It, It just had a great, I had such a good response to it, is my point. So, yeah. So, that, to me, that's uh, that's great. I mean, I think that, um, you know, there's a, there's a lesson in that for everyone in terms of, like, again, the, what I can't emphasise enough is not not letting this stuff beat you, I think. is it from, Like, if I can take anything from listening to this, like, it's don't let stuff beat you. And I'm not suggesting I've got anything like the struggles that you've been through in terms of cystic fibrosis, but like we all have our own, uh, what should we say? I don't want to say demons because that's like an absolutely ridiculous. We all have, we all have our, we all have our issues that yeah. we have to overcome. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's up to you. And I'm not, I know some issues are harder than others. And I know there's some things that, you know, you might not be able to get, the exact thing that you want but you can always you can always no matter what your situation is make the best out of that situation and and really try and achieve something and rather than looking at looking for excuses you're you're pushing forward yeah in, in whatever you try to do and it's almost like i through the wrestling school i meet people and they're so athletically gifted they're tall they've they've got everything that they need to make it but they don't have the desire. Yeah. And I think... And they think they have a desire. They think they have the desire. But I but I meet people and I'm like, if I had your attributes with my desire to make it, and although I have, my, I have let myself down a few times by not pushing harder like we have touched upon, but I'm like, I don't know, if I was you, I'd have made it. You've almost got no excuse apart from the fact you don't really want it. Yeah. Or you don't, you don't have what it takes to really want it. So, um, yeah, so, so again, sometimes that almost make, it make me angry. I don't sit there stomping my feet, but I'm just like, if only you knew what you had and didn't take it for granted. So, but those, these are the cards I've been dealt. So that's what I've always dealt with. Again, I've never asked for sympathy for anyone because this is, I have to deal with it, you know, like no one else has to deal with it, but I do, I try and deal with it the best way possibly I can. But I've also seen, um, my friend David, who, uh, I grew up with. He, uh, they produced like a 20 minute documentary on me. Can I just uh, step in there? You know what I'm I know, saying. I know exactly what you're saying, yeah. So he produced a documentary about <coughs> you mm. wrestling with cystic fibrosis. Yeah. And he needed, he, he had to have um, uh, some videotape of you 
wrestling. Yep. Right? And I was the only sucker who had, like, all the entire... It's weird, isn't it? Because I don't think anyone even within FWA had the whole TV series, but I'd recorded it every single week on the wrestling channel, the FWA shows. Yep. And I lent you to lend to your mate Dave mm-hmm. every single FWA TV episode from the wrestling channel. Yep. And what happened to those videotapes, Andy? I don't know, mate. I don't know. I don't know. Is it, and, and I should have learnt my lesson, because I've spoken <laughs> about the time. I lent my uh, 1994 Royal Rumble tape to Cousin Debbie against my will. And yep. my mum had hidden it. I came downstairs the next morning to hide it, but she, <laughs> she'd hidden it the night before. So, <coughs> I, could, so I couldn't lend it to her. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And Cousin Debbie taped over it. And I even went to Cousin <sighs> Debbie's house to pick up the tape. I had the exact tape which it was on, because I knew what it looked like. And I saw it scratched out, Ugh. and she taped over it. Yeah. So I've had these experiences <laughs> before. <laughs> didn't learn. That was the first time, and the second time was your mate Dave My mate for your Dave. documentary. And he we got, never he got, got them back. He got the clips in the documentary, but never got the tapes back. Yeah. Thanks. I'm sorry about that. I'm saying apologising again on his behalf. Mm. Um, and uh, do you know what? I can't remember what I was going to say about that. Oh, that was right. In that documentary, they went, I think, to uh, to Leeds, I think, to meet a doctor, but they'd also met a couple. And I was 21. I reckon they must have been about the same age. And I say this with all the love in the world, but they looked ill, like dreadfully ill. And they were both saying, cool, you know, I wish I could do what he does. You know, he's clearly quite healthy compared to us. And then that hit home for me that like, that kind of hit home for me again, how serious a condition it could be if I let it yeah. get the better of me. So, um, yeah, again, that sort of, pers- you know, I persevered through that and uh, to continue to improve uh, health and fitness wise. And uh, and my doctors at the time up at QA Hostel in Portsmouth, they were like, they were so supportive and so encouraging. And I can remember when I wrestled Umaga that time, there were some fantastic photos the photographer had put on WWE.com. And I took them in to see the doctor and he was like blown away. He was so like he didn't really understand that I was just a knockoff. Like it didn't matter to him. Do you know what I mean? As far as he's concerned, I'd fulfilled my dream of wrestling for the WWE. So that was just a nice, again, like enough encouragement. You know, keep going, keep going, keep going. Because, you know, the moment you stop going to the gym, you stop working out. If you stop doing those things, your health could, I don't know for sure, because I can't predict the future, but your health could deteriorate. So uh, kind of an analogy I will give is you often hear about people when they retire and they stop working. Mm-hmm. That's when they wind up dying. Right. Why? Yeah, yeah. Because they've got nothing to, to, to drive them. And I'm not an advocate of, I don't want to be working until I'm 100 years old. But mm-hmm. like, I certainly always think that I'll have some kind of, some fingers in the pies to kind of motivate me yeah. always. Um, so, so yeah, I think that there's a lot to, a lot a lot to that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you hear that with a lot of old couples. When one dies, the other one loses the will to live, essentially. Yeah. Dies shortly afterwards. So. Yeah, a lot of comparisons, I guess. But Yeah, so... Uh, so, so that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of. I guess that's sort of it. Um, I mean, is it? Is uh, I guess like really, we need to kind of put a, a bow on it. But like to do that, I kind of need, like really like is it? Is it any? Is there anything that you wanted to achieve today? Like you know, that you wanted to get out of this. Um, if someone could sort of plow in about thirty-five million into research for a cure. That'd be good if we could organise that today. Yeah. <laughs> but that's pretty unlikely. Um, in actual fact, um, they have said to me they think a cure is doubtful, um, but improved way of... 
like an improved improve. medication yeah. to improve but, your way of life. But look so. at, there's a, there, there are things as well, I know it's not the same, but like, um, so the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, they, they reckon they've eradicated polio now, Yeah. right? People didn't think that would ever be possible. No. Um, like people with HIV can now live an, a perfectly normal life. Yeah. Forever yeah. now. Like, a, you know, whereas when you think about... I always think when I think about that, I always think about the storyline of. I don't know if you ever used to watch EastEnders back in the day, but yeah. Mark Fowler in EastEnders when. Oh yeah. That was such a you know a revolutionary thing, but now it's not a death sentence anymore. No. And um, and yeah, like uh, I think research. I'm not a medical professional, Andy, <laughs> but you know, you research not? research is consi- is constantly evolving and improving, and 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 like you say, like if yeah, if there can be, you know, there are, there are charities out there. Um, well, the Cystic Fibrosis Trust is is the I assume the main one. So my mum will often do a raffle. And, like I get embarrassed about things like that. Uh, you know, my mum would do a raffle in the shop, and she'd be you do it for Cystic Fibrosis Trust. And but people were like, oh, why are you doing that? And then she'd say, through the loveness of our heart, I'm not angry at her, but she'd be like, oh, my son has cystic fibrosis, and I used to hate it. I used to hate having that, that label. To, that leads to questions. That yeah. leads to pity. Exactly. Like, yeah. That's yeah. All, that's, that's oh, exactly that poor boy. Yeah. So, and again, I know some people do suffer far worse than I do. I used to have. Um, he, he wasn't a pen pal, but his name was Lucas. He's from America, and he contacted me once. Um, saying, well, you know, I've just read all about you. I can't believe it. You're a wrestler. I, you know, it's my dream to be a wrestler. Um, and we stayed in touch for a few years. And then all of a sudden I see a message from his wife. Lucas had died. And I felt terrible because I hadn't spoke to him in a while. When That wasn't really my fault. I didn't know he was going to die. And it's tragic he died. He was, seemed like a really nice fella. Had a real good fundraiser. Like, he was, he was sort of probably what I'd like to be, um, where he... So, the, so Lucas was quite um, quite a big part, member of his community, raising awareness and raising funds for cystic fibrosis. And he died. So he was probably only th- early thirties. And you were saying that he's he's what you would have liked, or <laughs> you know, maybe that's what I'd like to become more of. Yeah. Um, so I tell you the story of my barber, who had a daughter with cystic fibrosis, and my brother also got his hair cut and then he must have no I tell you I told her actually I told her that I had cystic fibrosis as well and uh, and she said oh we're doing a big fundraiser and um, you know would you like to come down with some of your wrestling friends and you know come meet the kids and everything and I was I didn't really want to do it because I was getting up with these situations which are just awkward <laughs> and horrible add it to the list yeah so uh, I tell you what who's a good friend that day Steve Linsky he came with me and so did the British Eagle. They oh, came yeah. with me. But what blew my mind, and if anything, people take this away, um, because I, it wasn't my place to say anything on the day. We're in, um, what's the park near uh, the big nightclub in, near the train station uh, in Portsmouth? Victoria Port- Park. Victoria Park. We're in a little enclosed area in Victoria Park. Um, people smoking, you know, and I'm just like, are you stupid? Yeah. Uh, there's kids here with cystic fibrosis, and you're all smoking. And it just blew my mind. And, and Tiffany, I'm sure she got, had the, all the best intentions and she was a new mum, probably new to that sort of, you know, she didn't have a kid with cystic virosis before. But I was just like, I'm getting out of here because I'm not going to say anything because it's not my place to. Um, but in, if here's a little message to people. If you know anyone with cystic fibrosis, and even if they say it's okay, do not light up a cigarette, okay? Because you're doing them no 
good what's we're not doing yourself any good obviously having a cigarette but you're doing no good whatsoever for that kid who's probably more than anything just too embarrassed to ask you not to do it hmm. so you know like uh one of our lads at the training school his name's richard every, every time i get in a car with him and he go, he lights up a he goes like a cigarette i was like can you just not because obviously i'm older now i'm a bit more of an adult i can deal with it a bit better so um yeah so yes yeah, so it's just having having that awareness isn't it you know not just uh yeah yeah um so yeah i think i think that we've uh we've covered a lot and i mean like and, and i don't think at any point you've you've seemed like defeated by this uh this whole deal if anything you've been the the, the complete opposite and i think that that's a message that we want to we want to put across a message of positivity, yeah. um, a message of awareness. Um, obviously, like we say, it's Cystic Fibrosis Awareness Week next week. Um, and I think that we should probably do some fundraising for it. Yeah, we could do, couldn't we? Maybe we could do, uh, maybe we could do some kind of, ooh, we could do one of them raffles. Have you seen uh, where they'd be like, they'll put some stuff in, they'd be like, there's a number, one to whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, we could do that, yeah. Oh, that'd be nice to do that, or maybe you could put your takings for Rocky's rest. No? <laughs> <laughs> Not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> Still got to eat. Yeah. Um, yeah. We can do something. Like We'll come up with some... Kind yeah, of, we'll uh, do something next week, shall we? And, and uh, yeah, maybe we could have a... Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we could shut up. Maybe one of them just giving pages or something and mm. try and... I don't know. Just yeah, we'll a, do something. Just thinking out loud. Yeah. Something we could do to try and, uh, you know, just A, raise awareness and B, raise some, uh, some, some money for... You know, whether it be I don't know what they do, whether it be research, whether it be treatment, or yeah, you know. yeah. I think like every time my mum did a raffle, she raised say three or four hundred quid. I can one time they were like, "Oh, we bought this new machine," and I can't remember specifically what the machine was, but it looked like a good piece of kit, you know. So they're always you know so they're something to show for it. Yeah, so hopefully we can hopefully we can help do the same and continue to spread the spread the goodwill. Um, yeah, yeah. So so although I kind of when I talk about this, I kind of get anxious. I talk quickly, although I then try and t- try to not talk quickly, um, and I fidget a lot as well when I talk about I it. I know, yeah, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. I know. So um, it's like when you lie, yeah, I'm not lying now. I know, but I mean, I'm drawing parallels to. Oh, okay. I can tell when you're lying, trying to cover your cover your tracks. I don't lie. Mm. Uh, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, he. Um, so I just want to try and. Do, raise awareness for next week. Uh, um, you know, if you see any sort of charities or something, you know, like uh, anything you do to support it, support it. Um, you know, everyone with cystic fibrosis will be grateful for anything. But thanks for listening. I'm sure there's a million things. Think, I'll, and, I'll well, come off here and go, oh, I wanted to say that. And I wanted I'm sure to say you that. will. And I'm sure, and I, and I can predict what's going to happen over the next few days. You're going to be like, you'll probably listen to it and be like, oh, it sounded like a right idiot when I said this, or I should have said that, or yeah. I didn't explain my point clearly enough. I don't really think that this is what it's, it, it, it doesn't matter. Like, I think the fact that you're even sat here talking about it. Yeah, this is the so, longest I've ever talked about it to yeah, anyone. Not even my mum, my dad, no one. Like and, I, and, and I think as well, like for so long, you've kind of, um, like you said, you just brush it off. Mm-hmm. you know and as if it isn't a big deal so like to me and the, like the most remarkable thing for me you brush it off like it's not a big deal it really is a big deal right mm. but not in a not in a uh, in a way where i'm saying like oh you shouldn't be doing this stuff but to me it's a big deal that you've you've got this condition you've overcome all of this stuff you've exceeded anyone's expectations about what is expected of someone with cystic fibrosis because you know a lot of people would write you off you know? Yeah, and like you say, you don't tell people about 
cystic fibrosis because you know that people will write you off or not give you the same opportunities. So instead, you've, you've chosen to quietly battle it yourself and overcome it. But I think that the, the, the most important message here is the fact that you know, as you're approaching the, the other side of 30. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I do, I do uh, want to make it abundantly clear. The, the life, due to modern medicine and stuff, the life expectancy, average life expectancy, let me make that abundantly, average life expectancy, which you could far exceed it. In actual fact, one doctor said to me, so a, a, I won't say a lot, but a number of people with cystic fibrosis have to go through lung transplants. A doctor once said to me, Andy, you're never going to need a lung transplant because you keep yourself so healthy. The average life expectancy now for someone with cystic fibrosis is 43, I think. So, you know, but for me to hear 30 when I was 13, that was pretty devastating. And I just did everything I could to think, I'll, sh- I'll show you. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, if anything, I hope I can sort of... And, and, I, and by the way, I wasn't getting at you dying. <laughs> I was, what, I, what I was getting at is as you... Nine got, more years. Uh, what, I th- what I was getting at was as you've got older, you're now feeling... Uh, you, how to put it? So when you get older, you have a better perspective on stuff. Yeah. Right. And I think that now you're a bit older, you you kind of look at it and you say, like, I I don't know. I might be putting words into your mouth, but if there was someone who suffered with cystic fibrosis when when you were younger, who's in the position that you're in now, perhaps hearing from them may have helped you out. Oh, amazing! Yeah, tremendously. And, and yeah. I think that you're now you're now you're in a position where you're happy. And well, I don't know if you're happy to well, talk a bit more about comfortable it, about like it. Yeah. More, yeah, more comfortable. Yeah. And uh, and more open. And and as a result of that, you could be helping. Who knows how many people you could be helping from from this podcast? Um, so so thank you for sharing your story. And I genuinely, like I say, I genuinely believe that you have uh, you've done some. I don't like being nice to you, really, but I oh, don't. I know, <laughs> but you you have done some uh, some exceptional things and things that people wouldn't expect you to to not just do but be capable of. And I think that that that's something you should be proud of. And also speaking out on something that you're not comfortable speaking out about. Um, to me, I think you. I think you shouldn't be sat here talking to me. I think you should be sat on the this morning sofa talking <laughs> to Philip and Holly. And maybe um, maybe next week they'll call me. So. Um, yeah, but I would, I, it's almost like this, we, we said it last week, this is like therapy, this podcast, I actually feel like a bit of a, a weight has been lifted off my shoulders to feel like if anyone does, and I'm not asking people to, I'm not like, oh, well done, Andy, I'm not saying that, but if anyone does, although this whole narrative of this thing is like, I've not felt comfortable talking about it, if anyone does want to talk to me about it, I will happily talk to them about it, like happily, so, um, yeah, so if I, if, if, if I can help, like Kieran said, if, you, if I can help one person, Excellent. If I've helped no people, excellent. But I'd love to help people. You certainly if entertained look. me for the last uh, hour. So, <laughs> yeah. so th- there's one person who's been entertained. At Good. Least. Um, but yeah, and and I th- I think that's a very important message um, to leave you on. And, and I think the A Squared Circle Wrestling Podcast has really been a a very positive podcast, hasn't it? I yeah. Mean, it's <laughs> yeah I mean. Like I think I genuinely believe that you know we uh, we try to put the world to rights, but you know. I think that we've, you know, we, we the only reason we're talking about this is because of professional wrestling. Yeah, crazy, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and it's a it's a wonderful thing. I think professional wrestling itself is a wonderful thing, and I think this podcast is a wonderful thing. Um, and I think that you know, obviously, the two episodes which obviously spring to mind is the episode with Kieran and this episode of yourself. But you know, it's, it's through the medium of wrestling we've been able to deliver these messages and hopefully, you know, help some people in a positive manner. Um, so yeah, yeah, there we go. There we are. I hope I've uh, 
hope I've done myself justice. I hope I've done, uh, first of all, I hope I've sort of done cystic fibrosis justice, really, that I people aren't going to listen to this and go, I still don't really understand what it is. Uh, but I don't think so. I think everyone could kind of get a half a grasp. And um, it's just my story in a very short format. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's loads in. more we could put into this and loads more questions I could ask you, but... We'll we'll save that till next year. Ne- next year, yeah, next year. <laughs> Just yeah. give ourselves a bit of content for next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you very much, Andrew. Uh, thank you, Andrew, for having me. Because I, I, I was speaking to Doctor Quilled. Well, I feel like I was speaking to Andrew Lee today. You know, yeah, not, not Andy Boy. Yeah, they are so. two different people, aren't they? Yeah. 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 Cool. So, yeah. Thanks for listening. I'll let you. You can plug your Twitter first if you want. Okay. Well, I, I'll plug my Twitter: b o y s i m m o n z. But just to remind you, if you've got half an hour, here's <laughs> his Instagram handle. <laughs> B O Y S S I M S S S O B O Y S I M M O N Z nineteen eighty four. Okay, then obviously the letters one nine eight four. Um, I've had two, nine photos up so far, all been very Excellent well received. Excellent. <coughs> Excellent response. Um, they're all going to be wrestling related. They're all going to be due to my kids, and um, I really think I'm going to be a real good follow. <laughs> <laughs> Same. If I'm on Instagram as well. Hunt me out. I'm brilliant. Yeah. Um, and uh, at A. Quilden on the Twitter, A-Q-U-I-L-D-A-N. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you again next week. Uh, are we going to do a mailbag episode next week? I'll oh, do a mailbag episode next week, yeah. 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 We'll come back with our so, um, with our fundraising idea that we'll launch next week. Yeah. Uh, so um, if we do a competition or whatever, we'll, we'll let you know in about the following week. week. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, um, and uh, we'll do a mailbag episode. So if anyone's got any, any questions, you can you can tweet at us. Um, and then, um, yeah, we're, we're, we'll answer your questions next week. Um, and I'm sure, like, the day of, we'll be like, oh, no, no one's tweeted us any questions, and we'll be putting it out on social media. <laughs> Any, anyone got any questions? We'll just make up the questions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> any sort of narrative we want to put out there. Yeah. Um, just, uh, we could be like, oh, Dan from Somerset would like to know, <laughs> why are you so good at running wrestling shows? <laughs> Don't know, mate. Um, just damn. All right. Thanks for listening. Speak to you later. Thanks a lot. Bye. Laters. You can say it this week. You can say it again if you want. It's your episode. Laters.